thanks for joining us at Off The Clock, brought to you by the team at Tompkins Wake. I'm your host, Catherine Bryant, Special Counsel in Charge of Knowledge Management. Join us as we offer guidance on and insight into topical issues in business and law. As part of our In Your Neighbourhood series, we're talking about changes that might affect the way your neighbourhood looks. And today we're talking about climate change and managed retreat. I'm joined by Jill Gregory, Senior Associate at Tompkins Wake and climate change expert. Jill, the government has faced a lot of criticism, both nationally and internationally, that it's not doing enough to respond to climate change. So can you just briefly talk us through what is the government's approach to responding to climate change? So the government has chosen to take a two-pronged approach to climate change in line with international practice. Firstly, mitigations, that's reducing our emissions. And secondly, adaptation, that's learning to adapt to climate-induced environmental change. Following the introduction of the Carbon Zero Act, New Zealand now has an emissions reduction plan, which covers how we will reduce our emissions to our net zero target by 2050. For example, the emissions trading scheme. And in August this year, the government released the first national adaptation plan, which covers how New Zealand will adapt to climate change risks. The NAP addresses the most significant risks to New Zealand that were identified in the climate change risk assessment. So talking about risks, particularly, you know, climate risks, in recent years, New Zealand has been facing much more extreme weather events, you know, whether that's yearly summer droughts in some regions or communities that have had roads or houses or infrastructure damaged by more frequent floods or even the Ruapehu ski fields going into voluntary administration after its warmest winter on record for the third year running. I think people were hoping to see in the National Adaptation Plan, that the government would really face up to climate change risks. Were some people disappointed that it seemed to lack substance? Yeah, I think there has been a general response that people were disappointed in the lack of detail. But given this is the government's first comprehensive policy on adaptation, it's probably unsurprising that the government has chosen to focus on getting a solid foundation in place for the future especially since responding to climate change risk is likely to involve some very unpopular and confronting decisions in the future. The NAP, as it is, is currently focused on getting better information about natural hazards and risks and putting frameworks and legislation in place to respond to those. To do that, the NAP has four key priorities. Firstly, to enable individuals, communities, local government and businesses to make good decisions about current and future climate risk. Secondly, to make sure that our buildings, our infrastructure and our communities are resilient to the impacts of climate change and that new developments are occurring in the right locations. Thirdly, assessing options for communities already facing risks from climate change, including the potential option of managed retreat. And finally, the NAP is focused on making sure that government strategies and policies are climate resilient. Those are the priorities for the next six years. So people are correct that there isn't a lot of practical action in the NAP. When you consider predicted climate change risks, such as heavier rainfalls, more powerful storms, and we're already seeing these, six years is a long time to wait for more concrete policies. But what we are expecting at the meantime 
is the new Climate Adaptation Act to be introduced to Parliament next year. That will help improve the implementation of decisions that might need to be made to retreat. Mm. So it's the government has said it's going to introduce this Climate Adaptation Act next year in 2023, is that right? That's correct. Yeah, but the timing is going to be pretty tight to get that passed before the election. No, that's not the plan. So the plan is for the Act to come into force in 2024. Obviously, there is a, a general election in the middle of that process. <laughs> Certainly a bit of uncertainty there. That's right. So Jill, managed retreat is a term that we're hearing a bit more about now. I think a lot of people have seen footage of beachfront houses being washed away or falling into the sea from erosion, not just in New Zealand, but in other countries around the world. It's pretty scary to watch. Is managed retreat something that's only going to affect seaside communities? Uh, No. Seaside communities, and in fact some of the suburbs of our largest cities, are definitely what we first think about with managed retreat. For example, there's been a situation in Port Waikato where a number of houses have been demolished after the sea has been eroding the dunes as a result of large storms. The same things happened uh, in different parts of the motu in Wairarapa and at Haumuana Beach in the Hawke's Bay. But seaside communities aren't the only communities vulnerable to climate change. This year, the government released a report in November which identified that 44 communities in New Zealand, some of which are large towns or small cities, were also at serious risk of flooding, and they didn't have adequate flood protection in place. The government has specifically said that total abandonment of areas is on the table. This is already an issue for a number of isolated communities, for example, especially in the Marlborough Sounds, where roads keep getting washed away, where councils might already be saying that they can't afford to keep fixing the roads that only service small numbers of properties. Also, in 2020 and 21, New Zealand had its second worst wildfire season for the last 36 years, measured by area burnt and loss of houses. Communities with significant summer droughts are at a much higher risk for wildfires. So managed retreat might be one option for adapting to climate change for a number of communities throughout New Zealand, not just those on the seaside. Wow. So if we're potentially talking about having to abandon communities, and some of them quite big communities, or suburbs of some of our biggest cities, that's going to have a huge impact on the people in the community. And who's going to pay for that? Well, that's the number one question, and the NAP avoids that question. If a community does have to be abandoned and retreat, it's going to be a huge financial burden, and it's disappointing that this government hasn't addressed this yet. We are anticipating, though, that the financial systems and the funding needed for climate adaptation will be covered in the Climate Adaptation Act, Potential measures that are currently being developed include a central government fund to support climate adaptation and concepts such as climate leases, where houses in areas that are subject to long-term risks but not short-term risks are bought by the government and then leased back to their current owners until the time comes where they need to move. We also know from the NAP that the government is investigating options to ensure flood insurance continues to be available for those impacted by flooding. So just to stop you there, Jill, I mean, if we're talking about central government or local government, you know, funding manager retreat of coastal beachfront property, we must be talking in the billions of dollars. 
Uh, yes, and that's only for those communities. When we start to think about the roading and the three waters infrastructure that also supports our communities, that number is significant. Yeah, that sounds like it's going to be expensive. What's the situation now if we don't have any legislation in place? How are councils currently responding to it? Yeah, it certainly varies around the country as to how local government is responding to the risks at the moment. A number of councils are being quite proactive with their communities and bringing these issues to the fore and discussing them. Some have taken the view that it isn't their responsibility at all and that private owner, private properties need to act to protect themselves. So we are seeing a variety of responses from local government. Underway at the moment is also a review of local government in New Zealand and a part of that is to respond to climate change and what councils can do to assist communities through climate adaptation. And at the moment, some councils are waiting to see the outcome of that final report in 2023 before taking the steps that they might have otherwise started to take. So hopefully the result of the review will mean that there's consistency across councils as to how they approach manage retreat rather than a postcode lottery where maybe where you live in one place you get paid for manage retreat and in another place as a homeowner you just have to abandon it or fund it yourself. Is that right? Yeah, so the two important pieces of work that will come out next year are the final report on local government, uh, the future of local government, and the introduction of the Climate Adaptation Act. So together, those two pieces of work should create a nationally consistent approach to our adaptation planning. Mm, And I'm sure that um, homeowners in areas that are subject to climate change risks are going to be watching what comes out very closely to see how their neighbourhood's going to change. Yeah, certainly. And some will already be contacted by their local council to participate in the current sort of climate, regional-based climate risk assessments that are being undertaken so that people can start to get the knowledge that they need to be able to make better decisions. Mm. So there's obviously some hard conversations that are going to take place and some huge challenges facing certain communities. But we don't actually have any real guidance yet as to what that's necessarily going to look like or how that's going to go through. How is the National Adaption Plan likely to affect neighbourhoods in the short term? So the focus on getting um, more and better information requires local government to do more work on addressing and identifying natural hazards and the NAP then supports the inclusion of that information on a limb so that property owners or prospective property owners can understand what the risks are that relate to that property in particular. So at the moment, the recording of natural hazard information is inconsistent throughout the country. So the NAP really says that it's important to get that consistency on firstly undertaking uh, the natural hazard screening and then identifying that information for property owners on their limbs. So going forward, we can expect that, you know, anyone who owns a property in an area that's subject to climate change risk is going to have that information on their limb and potentially affecting their property going forward. That's correct. And I'd imagine that for the majority of homeowners who will find that information on their limb or be subject to those risks, will find it difficult to have to face up to that. It may have very real impacts on the value of their property and also on the ability to obtain insurance. When you think about the fact that we're still building houses in coastal areas, clearly there are some homeowners who don't want to face up to climate change risks and it might be quite confronting if they have to have that information on their limb report. 
Yeah, totally. And there is a very real conflict at the moment between increasing New Zealand's housing supply and making sure that we are building climate resilient communities and putting that development in the right place. Mm. And so it's possible that the National Adaptation Plan and, you know, putting this information on limbs, maybe it's going to lead to less coastal development in the future and that's going to change the way our our neighbourhoods are growing and developing, isn't it? That's a real, a very real outcome. And when you combine that with some of the work that's going on about our vertical land movement, so we're obviously a very active country when it comes to our earthquakes and um, plate movement. So there are communities that not only is the sea level rising, but their land is actually subsiding as well. So there's a number of factors involved in that. Mm, So definitely some tough conversations and tough situations ahead for some of our communities. Yes. Jill, thank you so much for joining me and we're off the clock.